daddy gonna stay in school and, and graduate. You're gonna die, Klaus! You can do it! Captain Insano shows no mercy. You can do it! I love my mama very much. Now you know that. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Hello and welcome to the Sander Pit, the podcast that thinks wedgies are different. They're cooler. Um, I think this must be bench warmers. It is, yeah. It's just a bit lazy there. I've just got the bit notes. Lazy. The notes from last week are just <laughs> next to me, so I thought I'd go with it. <laughs> Good stuff. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm all right. I'm enjoying the fact that it's summer now. It's a bit different making an Adam Sandler podcast when it's not like rainy and you don't want to go outside. It's made it a bit harder to do it. <laughs> a bit harder so to many... focus, isn't it? Yeah, like just looking outside at the sun every day, like a kid, and I'm like, oh god, I don't want to fucking watch these films. <laughs> yeah, we're both in, we're just in a very different place to what we were almost a year ago when we started this podcast. Like since we've started, I've moved out. I've got a new job. I've got a car now. It's it's warm. This is the Sandler Pit. I'm Luke, and this is also Luke. And we watch and talk about every single Adam Sandler film or TV show or appearance or YouTube clip or sometimes films that he's not even fucking been in. But he's just got his mates to star in or a lovely animated film where he plays Dracula. And we decide whether they're worthy of going into our sort of hypothetical Hall of Fame, which is the Sandler Castle, or if they're so bad that we throw them out of the window into the depths of the Sandler Pit. In this case, we're visiting somewhere quite close to the Sandler Pit. We're going to hell. We're going straight into the, the lovely mouth of hell today because we're going to be watching and talking about Little Nicky. From came out in 2000. 2000. Which is uh, kind of that classic era of Adam Sandler, I guess. Like um, It's definitely the ones you really like, like Big Daddy and Mr. Deeds, which are both shit. It's really, it's really fucked up. Like I always say that I'm really nostalgic about these films, but they came out when I was five, and this is one when like there's a character that just has like breasts on his head, and John Lovitz is a like peeping Tom that falls out of a tree and dies. And how did you watch this film originally? Did you watch it at the cinema? Did you watch it on DVD, video? Oh, you think what five-year-old Luke Terry went down to the cinema and watched this like fifteen-rated film? I don't know. I feel like your dad would probably like hide you under like some coats or something. He did do that. I saw Step Brothers in the cinema when I was twelve, and I saw uh, Walk Hard Dewey Cox in the cinema. I think I was eleven. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a bit where there's just like a huge penis on screen. <laughs> Me and my dad and my friend as well. He snuck both of us in. <laughs> Which cinema is that? Enfield, Cineworld. I think we've been there before. I think we've watched. We have been to. Maybe we watched Guardians of the Galaxy there or something. Was it? Yeah. Was it the second one? Probably. Yeah, I think so. Is it not a bad cinema. A bit no. too many ghosts in that yeah. cinema. Is that Enfield that has the haunting? Yeah, the Enfield haunting. Yeah. I watched this film on, I think originally VHS, and then I had it on DVD as well. It's one of those rare films that it's worth having on multiple formats. I loved it as a kid. I'm not going to lie has so many stupid things. It's that same thing that we've spoken about before, about how some of the films feel like they are kind of aimed at kids because they've got such a sort of immature sense of humour. And yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of like the gross out over the top things, but as always, kind of dreading revisiting it, to be honest, because it's probably like massively offensive. I know Hitler appears at one point. (laughs) But it is set in hell, so... So I guess at least it's not set in heaven. Yeah, there is a bit of heaven in it. Anyway, what about you? Have you seen this before? I mentioned briefly in the outro to last week's episode, I haven't seen this, but last summer when I was living with my grandma for a little bit, I ended up putting this on and yeah, she's 80. And then the first scene is John Lovett's getting fucked by a big, big bird in hell. And I'm like, oh God. And I turned it off and put on like something more palatable, like fucking Faulty Towers. (laughs) Last of the summer wine. (laughs) I, I met your nan. She was a lovely lady. And I, yeah, I don't think that she deserves to watch a film like this, to be fair. I didn't feel like she deserved that in her life. <laughs> she would have preferred Spanglish, something gentle like have, that. She'd have loved Spanglish. That was so for the Ron Mars. But yeah, this film, the one thing I took away before I turned it off was Adam Sandler's voice, which is obscenely great. In Yeah, he kind of talks like that, I think. He's doing this sort of like, it's kind of a bit more husky than his usual silly voice, but yeah, it's quite an annoying voice. And he's, I think his whole story is that he was hit by like a demon shovel or something. I'm not 100%, but he's got sort of like a flat face on one side and 
I think he is quite a great in character, but he gets up to some mad hijinks, so maybe we can forgive it. We'll see. So this is the start of Happy Madison, right? Like early days Happy Madison. Yeah, I think maybe the first Adam Sandler-led Happy Madison film. It is, yeah, you're right. Uh, directed by Stephen Brill, who you like for some reason, I think. Uh, no, I don't actually like him because I think he directed The Do-Over, which I'm still not forgiving for. He can make 10 Hubie Halloweens and I still won't forgive the man. <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to this one. I feel like we've not had Adam Sandler-led older film for ages. It feels like all we've done is Hotel Transylvania films and shit dramas and really forgettable terrible like netflix comedies and it feels like hopefully this will be a return to form so I'm, I'm being optimistic i think maybe i'll have fun with this one yeah i think maybe this might be one where you just need to catch it in the right mood maybe i don't know yeah i'll dedicate like saturday morning to this a lovely uh, saturday morning yeah i think that'll be good. oh wait no i'm taking my sister to an open day in, in uh, stoke-on-trent i'll just have it on in the car <laughs> oh my god so you mentioned i think hitler's in this film do we get historical people people from history in hell yeah like, i think so yeah i can't remember who else there there is in this like cameos of infamous characters and stuff but i think there's quite a lot of that and uh there is one big cameo in this that i'm excited to talk about that i think i mentioned it briefly before but you've probably forgotten because got mine like a sieve yeah all i remember is hotel transylvania that's yeah, it. fair just, enough. This is kind of like a live-action Hotel Transylvania, so... There we go. You've, you're kind of selling me a little bit on it, so I feel like we'll have fun. Just before we start recording, I had a little bit of uh, a laugh because I found out that this has been adapted into a video game on Game Boy Color that came out in 2000. Uh, it got generally average reception. Uh, I mean, for Adam Sandler, that's not bad, is it? So it's apparently 14 platforming levels and five mini-games based on events from the film. And yet, reviewer Frank Provo from GameSpot called the game unpleasant. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to download an emulator of it, and I'm going to play it before we record the next one. That is a a bloody great idea. I can't wait. I'm throwing it. A mini review for the Game Boy Color uh, Little Nicky game. You better stick to that. I, I like the sound of that a lot. I've, d- I've just I've pressed download on an emulator just now <laughs> on my phone. Right, I can't wait to hear that. I can't imagine what a game of it would be like apart from one of those like really cheap Mario knockoffs. Should I not watch the film and just play the Game Boy Color game and see if I work out the plot? <laughs> <laughs> As always, we have something called a Sandler scale, which is our list of tropes. You find it on our Instagram page at the Sandler Pit goes over how many do we have now about 80 i think i think we hit 85 didn't we uh, yeah we had it hit 85 when we did our updated one uh so different tropes that appear in all these films like surprisingly ripped dad bod uh a coca-cola mention product placement offensive racist jokes but yeah i feel like just as a pre-warning i reckon this is going to be a heavy one on the sandwich tropes nice yeah so we produce a little bingo sheet and then whoever gets the most wins although we've never ever kept track of who's won and lost no i think it's just a a fun thing to discuss isn't it it's just fun so grab your crucifix grab a little bible grab some holy water grab your little horns grab a little forked tail grab a little boatman down the river sfix sticks even grab big bird grab john lovitz because we're heading off to hell to watch Little Nicky. The power of Christ compels you. <laughs> See you in a bit. Bye. You are now listening to the Sandler Pit. Let the sin begin. And we are back. We have survived the gates of hell. We've been to heaven as well. And now we're here uh, somewhere in between, ready to talk about Little Nicky. What's the plot of Little Nicky, Luke? I just want to establish, first of all, we're recording, it's the middle of June, but it's like this horrible heat wave. It feels like I'm in the fucking gates of hell right now. Feels like you're stood on top of a pizza, doesn't it? Yeah, I just just showered like literally 10 minutes ago and I'm already like coated in sweat. So this is going to be awful. I look like fucking Lee Evans on his Roadrunner tour. (laughs) So the plot of this is there is, oh God, there's so much plot. Mm. So Nicky is the youngest son of the devil and the grandson of Lucifer. They live in hell and he lives there with his two older brothers. I can't remember the name of them. And they're both really, really, really evil. The devil's not that evil. And he just wants to carry on ruling hell because he understands the balance of good and evil. Whilst the sons are a bit too evil and they'll shake the balance. So the sons then decide to go to Earth to take over Earth and make it really evil. And Nicky's got kind of a lovely pure heart, so he goes to stop his evil brothers on Earth. 
What did you think of uh, Little Nicky? Yeah, I, I still liked it, to be honest. I liked it when I was younger quite a lot, which I think you can kind of understand because it's very outrageous. Yeah, it's um, very silly. Yeah, I was kind of worried going back to this. And like, there are definitely things that have aged terribly, which you can expect from these films yeah. because we've watched ones that are only 10 years old that have aged terribly. Well, we've watched one, Sandy Wexler was three years old and that had <laughs> some bad racial stereotypes in it. Yeah, I think if you can look past some of the really dated stuff from that era which is like it's the same kind of time as like South Park and stuff like that when well, I know South Park's still going but when outrage humor was a big thing there's a lot of homophobic and like immature stuff in this big time away from that I think there's a lot of good slapstick fun and uh like cameos and this one felt like the most rewarding for our Sandlerverse stuff I'm sure we'll get into that in a bit because uh, it was quite noticeable some of the bits but Leaving this till late has made it easier to appreciate in some weird sort of way. I get that. I feel like if we'd watched this in week four, five, six, I don't know if we'd have enjoyed it as much, but I'm the same as you. I really liked it. I thought it was really fun. There is, though, a lot of rampant homophobia in this film. There's Alan Covert's character is basically used as, like, everything he says, they just say, oh, you're so, you're so gay. Yeah, like, he gets called Elton John, and yeah. um, he says that he has a girlfriend at one part, and they're like, don't you mean a boyfriend? And stuff yeah. like that. It's just a really lazy shit humor, but... If you can just overlook that stuff, because it is unfortunately a product of that late nineties, early two thousands, like all the comedy was like that, and we've moved past it, luckily. But there is a lot of like fun visual humor. The sets and the costume design is all insane, and the plot is mad. And yeah, I had a lot of fun. It's very quick and breezy as well. Yeah, that was quite nice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. I watched this. It must be about a week ago now, near enough. It stayed a lot more fresh than some of the other ones that we've watched, just because I guess I, I have seen this a couple of times when I was younger, but it's got a lot of memorable stuff in it. Like the craziness is up there, isn't it? With some of the like most outlandish that we've watched. How about you? So, yeah. You watched it just now, didn't you? Yeah. So usually when it comes to the ones that we can't get on streaming sites, we, we rent them together. So we both take it in turns to watch it. You rented it a sensible time. I then forgot. I then took my sister to Stoke-on-Trent and then my housemate's birthday and then like football and then, yeah, I just... uh, It's been a busy time, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So if this is a rare double rent, thank God. Imagine if we'd done this to going overboard. Yeah, or to like Bucky Larson or something, giving it twice the money that it deserves. But yeah, this isn't a bad one to have rented twice, I suppose, for the most part. Let's start off with what do you think of the character of Nicky? He's quite different from my usual Sandler, I think. Yeah. It's an odd one because I started the film hating him uh, because of his very nauseating voice. But he does have a bit of a who be Halloween about him. You do kind of warm to him. He is a, a sweet character. He's kind of innocent and he's kind of nice. There's a reveal later on, which I won't get into yet, why he's a nice guy when he's the son of the devil. I thought he was all right. Like, he gets a lot more stick for this than he really should, I think compared Hmm. to some of the other shit he's done. (laughs) He is a silly character, but yeah, if you can get used to it, I think it's okay. It's just that he's doing this voice where he's, are you speaking like that? Out of like the side of his mouth because he was hit by a shovel. (laughs) (laughs) And didn't they say in the epilogue at the end that he got hit in the shovel again and he smacked his head back to normal? (laughs) I think Blake Clark's in it as like a little demon helper for Satan. And he says something like, oh, you were a cute kid. And there's like a picture of him on the wall. And it's just Adam Sandler with that emo haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a note that says, Nicky used to be gorgeous until he was hit by a shovel. <laughs> I really like all the demon side characters in this. I think they're really in, like weird and odd. They could have just gone really generic for all of them, but they're really like well fleshed out. Like we have the devil, who's Harvey Keitel, who I think's great in this. Like, yeah, really he is good, good isn't he? You've got Rodney Dangerfield, who's Lucifer, who I also really like. He's like a really old-timey comedian. I think he was in The Simpsons once. He's, he's, all his jokes are basically like, oh my God, you're hairier than my wife. You're, I left my ex-wife. But he's like, I like seeing him. He's, he's a really old-school comedian. Yeah, I agree. I think that sort of character would be something that we would be like, oh, that's so annoying if it was in, you know, like a Shakes the Clown thing set on Earth. But because he's supposed to be Lucifer... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just so absurd that you've, you've got to like it that he's making like, mum jokes in hell <laughs> and that he's not really like he's not threatening at all it's just Rodney Dangerfield in a dressing gown like why is he what a weird yeah. casting choice I thought that was maybe the best part of the film like why was he there it was so funny yeah that was funny then we have Kevin Nealon is he meant to be the, the gatekeeper kind of, the gatekeeper of hell but then <laughs> <laughs> Satan curses him to have a big pair of breasts on his head because he, he let he let the two sons escape from hell, didn't he? So he let the two sons escape, but then he loves what and he's breasts on his head and he starts a relationship with this giant Chewbacca goblin thing. And every scene, there's just this yeti like groping his breast head. Yeah, and he has like nipple tassels on it at one point. <laughs> <laughs> He's like shaking his head around. That's really funny. It um, is funny. Very stupid, but very funny. And I think like later on, we have like hordes of demons, and then there's bits where they're getting like nice things like bunny bunny rabbits and stuff, and one of them just eating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He bites the head off. I really rated the kind of demon side of this film. Yeah, for sure. What about the two brothers as well? You've got Cassius. I think he's played by Tiny Lister, who I think he actually died in the last year. He did. Uh, He was in The Dark Knight. And um, he's Debo in Friday. He's he's always good at like playing like a big scary guy. He's not as used as uh, Cassius, but I think he's pretty good. He's just uh, one of those actors who just you, when you look at him, he immediately you know he's a bastard. Like yeah. I've never seen that guy as a good dude. Yeah, I know the type of actor that you mean. It's like a Danny Trejo type thing, isn't it? Yeah, Danny Trejo is a good example. They're both like, good at comedy, though, aren't they? Like this guy is funny in this as well. I think. He's, as you say, he's quite sparing because Reese Ephans is like the main villain, isn't he? Yeah, and he is great. Reese Ephans, I mean, terrible in Amazing Spider-Man 1, but great in this. Like he's he's really hamming it up. Obviously having a lot of fun. Just a real piece of shit. <laughs> he was nailing it this time. I think this is the same sort of time as like the Kevin and Perry movie where he was eyeball Paul. I don't know if you've ever seen that. but I've not seen that. That was a, another one where he's just like a, a, like a dickhead. Like this, basically. In this, I love that he's got, like, Billy Idol hair, hasn't he? And he's just like a big goth. You always see him sort of being flamboyant, drinking out of his little flask and saying about how much he loves peppermint schnapps or whatever it is. <laughs> he's, he's really fun. Uh, he's, like, the definition of our weird maniac villain, which is one yeah, of our main tropes. Definitely uh, one of the best. He's just hamming it up, and he's, and he's obviously having a lot of fun, as are all the demon characters. That's why I like them all. Like, they're all just evil and weird. It's got a lot of quite bad CGI that's aged badly, but it kind oh, of yeah. adds to the charm of it as well. Yeah, like there's a bit where he Nicky turns his whole body into a bunch of spiders. <laughs> that looks oh, yeah. like <laughs> fucking shit. But I do like that scene because they've all got. <laughs> Don't they? They, they say, oh, uh, Nicky, like, after the basketball game, that we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Like he goes on the news, he's like, oh, he's an evil, he's a monster. Look, he did. And then he's just superimposed his head onto uh, Scarface. Scarface. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, that's the cockroach, Tony Montana. <laughs> but yeah, they say yeah. that that was how they tracked him down after he turns into all the spiders because there was a huge trail of insect shit in the streets that they followed. <laughs> oh my God. The CGI is particularly bad. There's a part when Harvey Keitel, his body's just decomposing, isn't it? his arms are just holding up his mouth and it just looks like play-doh but it is funny i really like that bit where he's just absolutely turning into nothing his ears are all falling off yes it's just a really weird like visual thing what about the big actors or big people who are in this for like a few minutes that really made an impression on you so john lovitz like we mentioned i think is in this as a disgusting pervert being fucked by a bird very gross, but very funny. He says the line, I think Victoria just told me her secret, <laughs> which oh. I really like. <laughs> and doesn't he, like, when he's in hell getting chased by that bird, he's going, I deserve this, I deserve this. <laughs> um, um, did you notice that he's singing Ladies' Night, just like in see- The Wedding Singer, when he was Jimmy I, Moore? I did notice that. I thought maybe it was the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> Died. Yeah, it could be, you're right. It's not the only Wedding Singer connection as well, because... At the basketball game that we've spoken about, the announcer is the guy from The Wedding Singer who had the Lego hair. Oh, is it? Yeah, the oh, weird... He's like the weird mobster guy. He's like, yeah, ladies I... and gentlemen, put your hands together. <laughs> With his, like, face <laughs> bald in this one. 
I did see that. Um, Dan Marino's in this. Apparently, a very famous celebrity, I guess, like sports star. He's in it at the start, and he's like, "I want to sell my soul to win this the game." Oh, he's in yeah. Ventura One. <laughs> right. Okay. Movie. There's some weird people in this. Like uh, Quentin Tarantino's in this, playing a blind. What, what would they call that kind of person? A preacher. Preacher, conspiracy but he's, theorist. Yeah, he's like a conspiracy theorist preacher. He's like the end is nigh, that type thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was the cameo. I was saying to you, there's one in these films coming up that is really weird. And it was that one because you would never think that Quentin Tarantino was randomly going to pop up in one of these. No. And also it's weird because it's never done the other way around. Like I was seeing that and he is quite good in this, actually. Like all his scenes. Yeah, he's funny. Laugh. Because he's blind, he keeps like dying <laughs> in horrible ways or like falling down subway stations. And in one bit, he runs into the fires of hell (laughs) and into a lamppost as well (laughs) but i wish adam sandler would be in a quentin tarantino film quentin tarantino's only doing one more film apparently isn't he or two more films or something maybe it should be a big sandler vehicle that'd be amazing like because tarantino like he has got some faults with certain like things in his direction stuff but his ability to get good performances from actors that you wouldn't expect it like um fucking john travolta John Travolta, exactly. He was a washed-up actor when, by the time Pulp Fiction came out. He completely changed his career. Hmm. And he kind and... of helped turn Brad Pitt from being like one of those heartthrobby type action guys to being a bit of like a comedic idiot in Inglorious Bastards, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And didn't Adam Sandler, he was going to be in Inglorious Bastards, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was going to be uh, Eli Roth's character, I think it was. Yeah. What a shame, because... We probably obviously... wouldn't have got bedtime stories if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was a worthy sacrifice. But <laughs> I really hope he does come and does it. Because I feel like Tarantino's definitely an Adam Sandler fan. The same as um, the guy who made Punch Drunk Love and stuff. Like, I bet he can see something in that. And he would have, surely Gems he out, would have liked Uncut Gem, surely. Oh, yeah. So with that out, it would be good if he could get him into a new, a new film. I think if it was ever going to happen, it would be in the future rather than like any of the times that have passed. I can't see the crossover as much, apart from obviously with Little Nicky, but I think now Adam Sandler's stopped. I don't know, his, his upcoming things sound a bit more interesting, don't they? Yeah. Than some of the stuff that he did, like, just go with it. <laughs> it's going to make this quite uh, pointless, our podcast, if all the things he does are really good and well criti- and critically well-received and I not know. boring. <laughs> How are we going to make funny trailers about, like, Spaceman of Bohemia, the sure to be the like, new Star Wars? Yeah, the one that's... He'll probably be nominated for loads of Oscars and we'll be talking about it and we'll be like, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I couldn't believe the bit when Jonathan Loughran appeared <laughs> as a, a NASA supervisor. What a nice segue into, yeah, his usual crowd. We have Jonathan uh, Loughran or Loughran or Loughran. I, I think it was Loughran, wasn't it? Loughran, yeah. He's in this with Peter Dante as two rockers. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of them? They're decent characters. I think maybe in it slightly too much for what they usually are. They kind of quite one note. Mm. I kind of like the journey of them being like big fans of Nicky because he's the son of the devil, and then like ends with them in hell. But they're not being I... tortured. They're just dancing in Nicky's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I like the characters, but I don't like the performances. I feel like if they'd have got to like I don't know really good comedic actors who have good chemistry with each other, I think that would have been. You know who would be good? Because actually, I'm about... <laughs> Hot on the back of uh, On the Ball. Uh, <laughs> World Cup stuff. Fresh out of Grange Hill. <laughs> Whatever Where it was. Biker Grove. Grove. Where Ant gets blinded by that blue paint. That's one for our uh, American listeners. If there's any. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we've all seen it. Well, oh, well Ant didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he should have seen it coming go oh, on sorry so who was you going to say this is so before our time as well I think that happened before we were born <laughs> yeah I, th- I think so I, I've only seen it on clip shows I never actually saw the film yeah me too there were those channel 5 clip shows of like the best soap opera moments of the last 20 years yeah, you're definitely. like what <laughs> uh, with that and the train crash on uh, Coronation Street what's your greatest soap opera moment of the last 20 years that comic relief sketch when Phil Mitchell and Grant Mitchell did the dance to Kung Fu fighting in the Queen Vic. That would probably be the best one. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, YouTube it. I will, I will. Yeah, turn off this podcast, stop listening, <laughs> and then listen to that. Uh, for me, it's when that girl uh, killed her dad with a wrench on Coronation Street. I can't remember her name. 
that could be any episode of me and jack our friend from uni we were talking about it because i was convinced uh, she killed herself by eating a lot of chocolate all right he was like no she ate loads of drugs and we looked it up she did she killed herself by chocolate because she was diabetic of course um, but yeah, this re- whole film reminded me of Dogma. Yeah. Kevin Smith. Those two characters were a bit like Jane Silent Bob style. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if they'd have got, not that, but something a bit like that, it would have been maybe more fun. Maybe um, the two the two guys from that do South Park, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, that could have been good. Why not? I mean, Jonathan Lochran is essentially just a butler and Peter Dante is a racist. So like, I don't want to see either of them. <laughs> they do an okay job. Like you can believe them as stoners. You can believe yeah. them doing what they're doing i think that it's scene just where they're all uh eating edibles and <laughs> like, yeah it's funny uh, enough isn't it jonathan lockridge's wearing that horrible mask that was quite funny yeah i think it's just the real world context that drags it down more than anything isn't it yes but saying that i thought alan covert who <laughs> i think we've said about his twitter being fucking weird but he's yeah. all right in this i think yeah he's kind of funny i suppose i think this is maybe his best performance for me like, I can't think of many standouts with Alan Cover. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I think he does a line delivery in this, which made me laugh. Go to oh her. My, yeah, that. And oh my God, he just opened his mouth and swallowed her spit. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That was quite a good line delivery. That bit was know. quite funny. Um, yeah, he's not the worst. We also have a dog. <laughs> Beefy. Mr. Beefy. Yeah, big fan of Mr. Beefy. Voiced by Robert Schmeigel, director of The Week Of. Brilliant. Who we always Homoph- love. Little homophobic dog. Um, hey, he's not. He has sex with a, another boy dog at one point, doesn't he? Yeah, but I mean, he's roasting Alan Covert for being gay the whole film. Yeah, I guess. And then he ends up having children with a fucking rat. <laughs> 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 That's really funny. And they show all their horrible children. Yeah, and then they is... show Kevin Nealon and that Wookiee's babies <laughs> as well. <laughs> This is one of the best films of all time. There's yeah. so many characters. I was just like, we. I keep remembering other ones. We haven't even spoken about the love interest either. Yeah, that's because she's probably the worst part of the film. I think. Uh, she's yeah. not. A, she's not a traditional Sandler love interest in that she's not like a woman who is million of miles out of Adam Sandler's league. She's. Don't get me wrong. She's probably better than Adam Sandler, but I'm not a big fan of. It's Patricia Arquette, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know why it is there's something about her. I've never really been that into her. I remember she she got an Oscar for um my least favourite film ever, Boyhood. <laughs> and that's probably what it is. That's probably where the hatred you stems to let, from. You need to let boyhood. I need go. to forget about boyhood, don't I? I forgot about it as soon as I finished watching it, but the anger was still there. I think she kind of does does the job of this character and there's a few funny moments. There's a bit when so he's like offended her because he was possessed by his brother and he put his middle finger up at her. And then he flies up to her window, up a fire escape, and she's just in her room, like knitting a doll or something. That's kind of funny. But for the most part, she's just there to be like this really naive, innocent, all round good person, right? Yeah, she's not that great, but she has a lot more chemistry with him than most of these this era's love interests do she's way better than like anger management mr deeds kind of those love stories or whatever i feel like this mm. is more leaning towards something that's all right i don't have a problem with her fucking uh reese witherspoon's in this as a fucking angel yeah there you go there's the big one that's the big sort the reveal of reveal isn't it his mum is just like the lead angel in heaven it seems and she says that she really fancied harvey Keitel back in the day because he was he had a rocking bod or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't age and stuff. Yeah, she's really good in this. She is really she, funny. She's always good in everything. She's very much like Elle Woods in Legally Blonde. She's really good. Kind of doing that. I don't know how to describe it. Valley girl accent. Oh my it? God. Yeah. That is that what they say? Yeah, she is good. She, I think I read that she's something like nine years younger than Adam Sandler. But they established that's because she's an angel. I feel yeah. like they've they've set that up fine. I feel yeah. like that's good. It's just funny <laughs> if you just heard that she was playing his mum. Like, that is, that is just funny. Um, Have they been in a film together again? Not that I can think of. Is she a love interest in one of these films? I don't think so, no. Who the fuck am I thinking of? Or Jennifer Aniston, probably, because they're both sisters and friends. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, she's funny. And the heaven bit is good. Obviously, we get Adam Sandler wearing a heaven tracksuit. <laughs> Instead of his usual like leather cloak that he's been wearing, he's in a little mm. tracksuit. We see a uh, big Sandlerverse connection is that Chubbs Peters is there mm. from Happy Gilmore. He does his all in the hips. 
I love him so much. Carl Weathers is mm-hmm. so underrated as a comedic actor. He's great in Happy Gilmore, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks. And he's great, obviously, in the Rocky films, but he's in Arrested Development. And I loved seeing him here. He was yeah. brilliant. I love seeing him in anything. He's in The Mandalorian as well, isn't he? Anything with Carl yeah, Weathers is Yeah, of course, yeah. Right. Can I quickly go through a bunch of cameos because this film has so fucking many. Mm-hmm. I'll rattle them off and then we'll quickly comment on all of them. Yeah. Michael McKean from Spinal Tap and Better Call Saul's in this as the chief of police. He's always good. Yeah, he is always good. Not a standout uh, in this, but good enough. Not a standout, but I did quite like him. Uh, Clint Howard, that we've mentioned a bunch of times, I think he's in this in a horrible transphobic joke. He's called Nipples, I think. Nipples. Are they trying to play on the Buffalo Bill thing from Sans the Lambs? I guess. Rob Schneider, he's actually good in this. The You Can Do It guy. He's always good when he appears as Townie. There he is. Regis Philbin's in this. I think he died recently, didn't he? And he's really funny. He was like a clean cut. TV presenter and he's saying on telly like I went in the bag and I chased the guy over and beat it to death with a big yeah. and some old ladies like why Regis why <laughs> yeah I like that bit that was really funny Henry Winkler is fantastic in this again another Henry Winkler appearance that's a big one isn't it uh, he's cu- he gets covered in bees <laughs> He's just Henry Winkler, he gets covered in bees, he saves all the heroes, and then Adam Sandler then to get back into hell. Yeah, he has to do something evil. I'm sorry, Mr. Winkler. (laughs) (laughs) Gets him with the bees again. Poor Henry. Schneider tells him to do it. And then a good one as well is, uh, I think the last one before we get on to the really good one, is Ozzy Osbourne. Yes, I love Ozzy Osbourne so much. In this, he's got he's doing quite a funny accent, isn't he? It doesn't sound like his usual brummy accent, so I wonder if they maybe told him to try and over-enunciate his words so that he could be understood, maybe. But yeah, Reese Ethan's character gets turned into a bat and then Ozzy Osbourne bites his head off. Very <laughs> meta. <laughs> Is Ozzy Osbourne in this? Is he God? <laughs> I don't know. He comes from a magical egg, doesn't he? <laughs> he comes from a magical egg that was given to to Nicky by God, and then he comes out of it. Is he God? I mean, he's the Prince of Darkness. We all know this, but I don't know if you can be both. Maybe it's totally possible, isn't it? Because they say, don't they? Like, if you listen to Ozzy Osbourne back, he's saying satanic stuff, and then Nicky's like, no, no, that's not true. But if you listen to what was it like the fucking Chicago, Carpenter? Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. Fun. All right, the best bit of the film, the Harlem Globetrotters scene. I did you lose screamed. your mind? I screamed because I was not aware that my favourite character from any of these films has had a live-action <laughs> version before his debut in animated, dare I say, masterpiece. A <laughs> uh, crazy nights. Fucking Whitey Duvall's in this. Yeah, Whitey Duvall. He's played by Dana Carvey, who. We've mentioned being in sort of these films in kind of like backgroundy roles before. He's in like Wayne's World and a few other things. Mm. Yeah, he appears as Whitey. He's being possessed, I think. And he's just saying everything's <laughs> a technical foul. <laughs> I don't know how they did it because Dana Carvey sounds exactly like Adam Sandler's Whitey Duvall. Like they both sound identical nearly. Do you think it is Adam Sandler's voice? I don't know because... That technical foul, no one could do that as well as Adam Sandler. Definitely not. And I found out that Whitey originated in an Adam Sandler song on one of his albums. That character appears before this. So this was the first time he was in a film, but he'd actually already appeared in a song. Oh my God, What what's the song about? Probably basketball. <laughs> <laughs> what else is it going to be about? I really like Whitey Duvall. Uh, I can't <laughs> believe I didn't know that he had a live action version. We didn't know that he has a such a storied history that he's in so many other things. Yeah, and he got possessed by the fucking devil. Oh my or god, like he has his own demon. breakfast cereal. Shut up. No, he I'm doesn't really. <laughs> <laughs> Whitey Duvall's one of those characters that's just like perfect. So I feel like he, why has he not been in anything in fucking years? Like where's my nine crazy nights? Like a, a CGI animated one, like Frozen, the same sort of like the, nice graphics as that. It's the 20th anniversary of Eight Crazy Nights next year, and I want to see Whitey Duvall brought back in like yeah. a, a sketch or like a song or or a 3D something. remaster, 4K 3D <laughs> remaster for the cinemas of Eight Crazy Nights. I want to know, like, is he based on a real person that Adam Sandler knew? 
some weird he old must be. guy it's called so White. weirdly specific, isn't it? He's so weirdly specific to bring this weird character in three times into three <laughs> things in every format in song, live action, animation. What is going on? Yeah, there's got to be more not... to it. He should come back. In this, he says, Get that crap out of here! <laughs> and <laughs> guess what, Cornrows? Technical foul, you're out of here! <laughs> I love that. I like the Harlem Globetrotters. Aren't they losing? And st- yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like all their little things on Earth to kind of make, to stabilise humanity, to make them go crazy and stuff. They go to a church and they're like telling them, what's the point of being good? And, yeah. <laughs> and saying all these like people who cheated on their husbands <laughs> and then like, oh, he, he, she got pregnant by your brother. Then the he's pre- there. Like- <laughs> he says something really horrible. <laughs> There's a woman that says, the good Lord gave my son the strength to get off of drugs. And then he's like, I knew your son. At least when he was on the drugs, he used to make me laugh once or twice. <laughs> it's really horrible, but it's very funny. <laughs> yeah, I think he's like, don't they shout like, let the sin begin. Yeah, that's it. All right, this is fucking, this is fucking actually good. I think the other brother, Cassius, I think he possesses a, the mayor of New York. And it's the mm. same guy that played the mayor in Hubie Halloween as well. <gasps> yeah, he's been in a few of the Adam Sandler films, but that's... Obviously, a big connection there. Do you want to know something really good? Go on. The bit when um, little Nikki falls asleep in Central Park is on the rock where I proposed to my fiance. <laughs> Not intentionally. <laughs> Fuck off. Are you kidding me? No, it's like this rock by this pond in Central Park. But yeah, when we saw it, we were like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I think it had happened before. I think we watched. I think There's I mentioned it. One. Yeah. I can't remember if I put it in the edit or not because it was a big tangent. But I think it happens in Borat as well. He's like washing mm. his clothes in the lake right next to where I proposed. So I've clearly chosen a good spot if it's been immortalized into classic comedy films. <laughs> Do you think that kind of went into your head through like osmosis? It's got to be. Like, hasn't trickled it? through, and you're like, I like that rock. Walking around all day thinking of the perfect spot, and I was just like, no, not the little castle, not under that romantic tree, the rock where little Nicky... The rock, the rock. Where he's sleeping and he says, I will eat your heart! Did you plan where you were going to propose before you proposed, or did you... Yeah, I did. We got to the castle where where I was going to do it in Central Park, and there was loads of scaffolding up and you weren't allowed in, so I was like, oh, well, that one's off the cards. (laughs) (laughs) So you went, fuck this castle, I'm just going to do it on this fucking rock. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, classic places from little Nicky, and then found that... (laughs) Good times. Very nice. How did you do it? Did you like make her like lay down and go to sleep and start chanting satanic shit? And yeah, then and then proposed? she was snoring with her mouth open. And I just put the ring on her tongue. <laughs> <laughs> she breathed all this fire at you. <laughs> put your eyebrows off. That's yeah. so funny. Oh, Good stuff. What else stands out in this film to you? Oh, uh, Popeye's chicken. There's an egregious amount of product placement in this which I think almost works. Yeah, I kind of don't mind it. It's very on the nose, but it did make me want to have some fried chicken. (laughs) Yeah, so he gets to Earth and he's obviously, he's never eaten and he's never slept before. So he's kind of learning how to do these functional things. He's so cold. And there's quite a lot of comedy because he keeps dying. He keeps not knowing how to do things. (laughs) and He just keeps exploding and... Yeah, hit That's a horrible bit when they're like, we've got to kill you. Dante and uh, Dante and uh, Lochran, they're like, oh, we can't do it, man. And then (laughs) Alan Coburn's like, I've always wanted to kill someone. He gets him in the bath and starts drowning him, saying, fuck you, Kevin Spacey. (laughs) That was a really dated joke. That was very dark. Yeah. But yeah, the chicken, like, yeah, so he learns to it and he's like, wow, Pape's chicken's fucking awesome. That's a classic quote from this. And then he keeps, like, when he's really stoned, he eats, like, an obscene amount of it and then at the end he creates this massive yeah. box of Popeye's chicken for the demons and then that's when he says you put it in your mouth and you let your meat slide down your throat and then that's when one of the demons bites the head off of a rabbit like doing the same thing <laughs> really good yeah. there's a lot of Coca-Cola as well I think his power we'll talk start. about that in a bit that was a very good one wasn't it yeah. power turning Coke to Pepsi very nice so there's the bit I spoke about where he flies up to his love interest whose name's Valerie flies up to her window and uh, he takes her for like a little flight around New York and I wrote this is like a whole new world from Aladdin but for emos he's like flying her around while like a new metal song's playing 
which kind of <laughs> brings me on to my next point is that this film has arguably my favorite but also kind of the worst soundtrack out of all of these films as i was watching it because you're a bit of a well, you definitely used to be a bit of a metalhead, aren't you? Yeah. A little bit of a, a little bit of a rocker, a little bit of a loser. Love you. Stabbed that, that that big long hair. I did write my first note of the whole film was, oh no, after all the John Lovitz, I was like, this is young, <laughs> young Luke Terry when he's like rocking out, like being a massive loser in his room. It did, it did remind me of myself a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he loves like Iron Maiden, ACDC, some of the best. Obviously, great bands. I think I liked all that sort of music because of like this film and School of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> so you're really telling me that formative. The reason, the reason you like like metal music and rock and like rock music is because of Little Nicky. School of Rock dad. and Little Nicky. Oh yeah, it's my dad really. <laughs> me and Andy T have gone to watch like we've seen like Black Sabbath together, Ozzy Osbourne. We saw um, ACDC, Iron Maiden. So we are like that. But obviously, Little Nicky's a bit more left a bit more of an impression on me than my dad did um because so, <laughs> so, your yeah. dad hates this doesn't he i can't remember i think he kind of likes it but kind of doesn't like how stupid it is he would have loved ozzy osbourne though that would have done it for him because that's like his hero but yeah one thing i did want to point out on the soundtrack was that at one point very briefly between like some limp biscuit and a few other bands like that we hear points of authority by lincoln park so there's our Joe Tarone connection. So obviously he's one step away because Joe Tarone is literally a member of Linkin Park now as of 2021. He is. is he the new guitarist or something? Probably. Something like that, yeah. He plays the triangle for Linkin Park, yeah. If this film was made nowadays, it would have one of Joe Tarone's songs in it because he's in Linkin Park. So it's pretty exciting stuff. When do you think Strong would have played during this? There's one part when Nicky gets mugged while he was sleeping and he runs through New York and there's like loads of horrible slow-mo of him running through crowds and he's really really dodgy time lapses of like clouds going across buildings like stock footage from like a Kodak advert I think that's when Strong would have played that's when Strong would play <laughs> <laughs> this is the perfect point where you can throw in the advert yeah there we go <laughs> Strong is the brand new single from Joe Tyrone produced by Mike Shinoda of Lincoln Park streaming everywhere now I'm not always gonna be as strong there's also at the end we see the second appearance of hitler in this film but it's when (laughs) the two demon brothers get placed inside his anus that's one of the best payoffs i think to a a joke because you have hitler getting a pineapple shoved up his ass every day by the devil and then at the end of the film yeah they shove the two grandkids in there (laughs) that's their (laughs) their eternity just up hitler's ass that's a great payoff yeah yeah bookend in the film of hitler's anus so i mentioned the intro that there is a little video game for this i'll just stop my recording on my phone so i can get it up on my screen here it is uh, it's very, very annoying uh, and loud. loud. You kind of go as like a little Nicky walking around. Are we allowed to... to use that sound? I just want to play what happens if you press the save menu and then I'll... What are you doing, doing Nicky? <laughs> and then he's like a little, he's a little hand on a chair. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough of that. <laughs> Quite, quite good voice acting for a like eight bit type game. It's pretty funny. So yeah, I I played the first like introduction levels and I was so shit. Basically, like you go through the plot of the film in like eight bit. It takes so long, and then you kind of you train to start the human world, and you have to stand on fire to get like a speed up and do like platforming, and you've got to avoid cars that take your life away all the way through. If you get hit, I think it goes like. Ah. <laughs> I thought it was fine. It was really fucking hard because I'm playing on an emulator on my phone and just getting the jumps. I'm shit at that anyway. Can't be easy. Uh, You're not the biggest gamer anyway, are you? So No, I think this is the first video game I've played in months. (laughs) (laughs) You're saving yourself for Hotel Transylvania, Monsters Overboard, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) So would you recommend the game? As a curiosity, and just the little clip of Harvey Keitel as just a hand on a chair going, I've got no arms, Nicky! <laughs> uh, whenever you press the pause menu or whatever. Yeah, I'd that's, say it. Uh, that's I'd fair. That did look pretty good, to be fair. I mean, so, like, when you get health power-ups and stuff, is it just like a little piece of chicken? I didn't get that far through. I just know, like, you get power from standing on fire. And then yeah, that's. I mean, that makes jump. sense. 
you jump and run. I didn't even get to. I don't know if you fight things. From the thing you just showed me, it looked like he was wearing his little yellow, his little like coat bit in hell. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's a so bit of an inconsistency. Yeah, I don't really like that. But he's so slow when you, if you, unless you've stood on the fire, like he's limping across the screen. It's horrible. Well, that's because his brother hurt him. He can't help that. <laughs> that's being accurate, at least, to the original. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine there being a really good, like, arcade version of the score. You know, lots of, like, Crazy Train and Black Sabbath songs yeah. and stuff. That'd be good. Like, it does feel a bit like an arcade game rather than, like, a game, but, like, it's a bit of a side-scroller. I got into the first level and you have to kind of go on the train tracks and jump over rats and stand <laughs> on fire and jump over electricity. But I kept dying and I'm like, I'm so shit at games. So I gave up. You've got the excuse, though, that, like, the sensitivity in those older games just isn't what it is nowadays, so... Yeah, and, like, the feel of a button is how you know, like, and doing it on a phone... Yeah, it's harder to type. You can't have your finger ready to press down the button, can you? It's just either you're on it or you're not. So, yeah, apart from excuses there, you are just shit at games. Let's see (laughs) if you're... in the castle. That's in the castle. (laughs) There we go. There's a little arcade room, isn't there? It's ready for the games that we're going to play. There's like a little uh, potential spe- slot for a Hotel Transylvania 4 arcade machine, but we haven't reached it yet. Should we go to a different kind of game? A bingo game, some would say. Mm, the yes, Sandler Scale. Nice. This is a spooky Sandler Scale, I suppose, because we're in hell. How did you do this week on your Sandler Scale? Really good. I got a line in 23 minutes and 25 seconds. Oh, wow. I got nearly all of them. So my line was crossed eyes. One of the brothers has a crossed eye. Mm-hmm. I think. And then like when he's possessing people, they but get the same crossed eye as well, don't they? Yeah. There's an outdated reference. I put that for Dan Marino. I'm guessing he was very popular in this era. Whatever. Like, I don't know what that guy's doing now. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's massive. He might be Gary Lineker. He could be America. like a commentator, maybe. Like, maybe he's like doing like what Lineker does. He's on BBC Sports and he's then selling he's Lays. Lays. Selling Lays. <laughs> Dan Marino selling Lays. And then the last one I got for the line was montage. 23 minutes and 25 seconds in, he starts running around New York trying to get people into his flask. Ah, uh, yeah. To capture his brother. The other ones I had were sports team cap. I think it was in a crowd scene. Fast food, obviously. We've got uh, Popeye's chicken, which we mentioned a lot. Kevin Nealon, my favourite character in this, is a weird demon with breasts on his head. Yeah. And then a maniac villain in uh, Cassian. The ones I didn't get, I didn't get any jokes about illiteracy and I didn't get a makeover sequence. Although, did oh. I? Because it's not really a sequence. They just put him in a coat and hat and gloves. Mm, yeah, I don't think it counts. There's no haircut. This could have had a good makeover sequence, couldn't it? But it was, as you say, a very tight film. So it was good that they didn't overdo it with that. You did a good <laughs> job. You beat me by like 10 minutes. I got bingo at 35 minutes. My line was alliterated love interest. Obviously, we've got Valerie Varen. Surprise cameo. Quentin Tarantino very surprising and I also had Pepsi and I was like oh for god's sake there's a can of coke and then he says this coke tastes like Pepsi and I was like there we go name his name drops Pepsi <laughs> I had bald joke which I ticked for boobhead Neelan so I was like he's bald already it's quite funny when he's like they took his hood off and he was bald underneath and then next thing you know he's got boobs up there pretty good <laughs> I ticked Rob Schneider. Obviously, you can do it. Ticked weed. There's obviously them having the hash in the brownies. And I ticked it for the line when the priest said, at least when he was smoking hashish, he made me laugh about the (laughs) kid who was a drug addict or whatever. Injured child. I think there's a few physical jokes with kids getting injured. But the one I ticked it for was the montage you got. He grabs a kid and he's like trying to force them into the flask. And he's saying, get in the flask. Last one that I ticked was nice property. And that was for heaven. Heaven looks lovely in this <laughs> Heaven is the property. That's nice. <laughs> the little nice house in heaven. The only one I didn't get was Colonel Sanders, obviously because they were being funded by Popeye's Chicken. So, shame. Yes. So, Luke Terry. <laughs> this is the easiest one of these ever because this film is pretty much our pit and castle already. Is yeah. this getting taken into the upper pantheons of heaven into our castle with Reese Witherspoon and then the guy from Rocky fucking twizzling his hips around and we're all having a massive party. We're all playing the Game Boy Color game and we're all hanging out with the fucking hot chick and all the other shit that we've got in there. <laughs> Is it going straight into the depths of hell for perving on women and then gets fucked by a bird for all eternity in our nasty pit of nightmares? Lovely. That is a lovely little metaphor for it. (laughs) Before I go into my opinion, which I think is already quite clear, I think it's worth saying that in that analogy, that means that the Ridiculous Six is in heaven. (laughs) 
for sure for me this one is a is a castle film i can totally see why people wouldn't like this film i can see why people would say it's bad because there's enough things in it that are bad it is a stupid film the main character is quite grating and very outdated worldviews and yeah lots of stuff to complain about but at the same time like you have to go quite far to see a film where ozzy osborne eats a cgi bat I think that the barriers that this film pushes for what should and shouldn't be put on screen are interesting. And we've got Whitey Duval in it in real life. We've got like Adam Sandler as this like sort of weird hunched over emo guy who, I mean, he he jumps and slam dunks from like the halfway line at one point. Like it's brilliant. (laughs) You're not going to get this stuff anywhere else. I think I'm willing to look past the issues in this one. They are big issues, but I think there's just something about the fact that it's like a joke a minute kind of makes it easy to move on from the things that don't work for me this one is a funny film maybe not a good one but good enough to get into the castle when there's things in there like as we say ridiculous six and the hot chick i think this is better than those maybe not like strictly a good film but definitely a fun film and a good watch how about you uh yeah I think the best way to watch this film, it's a very unique way, is watch 40 of these fucking films in a quick succession over the course of several months. And then your brain slowly starts to rot and you forget what was quality in the first place. Yeah, I I like this film. There's a lot of silly, silly humour. It's lovely seeing like classic comedians like Rodney Dangerfield in this. Uh, It's a nice tribute to his old-fashioned stand-up, but it's a ludicrous casting decision that works. Uh, We've got Whitey Duvall, the greatest character ever created in live action. I nearly screamed. The cameos are amazing. Reese Witherspoon is excellent. But I do get any criticisms of its portrayal of homosexuality which is fucking shite but nearly every film in the 90s has that exact same issue and it's Mm -hmm. like we're beating a dead horse by saying it because it's good that on reflection we're all like oh yeah that's shitty as a society that's good if you can overlook that then yeah i'd say watch it it's it's pretty fun and the world building is weird and the demons are crazy and the sets and everything's just really odd and yeah it's it's very unique in these films of his and it doesn't deserve the negative criticisms that it has had i think it, yeah i think as you say about the sets and stuff it's quite rare to see i mean nowadays you never see like a comedy with as many crazy like costumes and stuff really do you no. think of any i mean it's probably unfair to but you compare this to the week of the week of is set in like this ugly beige town and every character is ugly and beige and boring and no definition whatsoever to their characters here you've got weird rockers you've got weird demons with boobs on their heads you've got the devil who just becomes a little mouth on a chair you've got Roddy dangerfield there for no reason you've got just weird weird people populating this weird world and yeah you can just remember those characters the week of I can't remember a single fucking person who was in that except mm. for Kirby <laughs> <laughs> so we've decided that little Nicky is very much deserving of a place in the castle <laughs> which is in heaven now apparently it was animated and in Transylvania a few weeks ago but now the Sandler castle is in heaven it's transient it changes its form and matter depending on the scenario <laughs> it's, it's like very- the TARDIS <laughs> So you've already played one game this week, but here's another one. I've done the Sandler game this week, and it is another take on your famous format, University Sandwich. <laughs> this is insane. We're it's, back to back in it. This it's becoming, yeah, it's becoming a staple. I think this is a classic bit of Sandler game. I've done this because I loved the soundtrack of Little Nicky so much. I thought I would do a musical themed one. They're all linked to things to do with music. Some of them are very hard. Some of them are quite easy. It's the usual thing of a harder question that's about like, it's in the sort of style of a university challenge thing. It's nowhere near as hard because we can probably answer most of them. Then it's followed up by a Sandler question that has the same answer. You get five points for the hard question and two points for the Sandler question. I've got 10 here. and I'm going to say you need to get 25 points. Yeah, yeah, that's doable. Great. So the first one, which 19th century instrument was popularized by Portuguese immigrants from Madeira? The only thing I can think of is the film Captain Corelli's Mandolin with Nicolas Cage. So I'm going to say Mandolin. <laughs> Wait, that's not been in any Adam Sandler film ever. Is that your final answer for the hard question? Hang on, where, sorry? It was popularised by Portuguese immigrants from Madeira, apparently. Where? Where were they, where were they immigrants? I don't know. Uh... 
that would give it away. I, re- I remember what it was. I'm not going to say because it would give it away. Okay, so it's probably like Portuguese, maybe. Is that in like South or Central America? There's not many settings that would give something away from the Adam Sandler films. I know I'm giving you a bit of a hint here, but... Mm, okay, I have no idea. I can't remember Sandy Wexler, and I think that's the only one I can remember that had any music in it. Excuse me? <laughs> the man that sings in e- nearly every film. He's in a film literally called The Wedding Singer, but the only one with music that you can remember is Sandy Wexler. I meant like instruments and stuff. I can't remember any. This is bizarre. I can't believe you're saying this. I've seen him. Triangle. That's my final answer. Triangle. What instrument does Adam Sandler play in 51st Dates? ukulele correct yeah two points that annoyed me so much you just said that <laughs> he plays drums when he sings it's real love he's on the drums oh in. god yeah i forgot about that horrible he plays guitar in wedding singer ukulele yeah. in 51st dates he plays the little keyboard in hotel transylvania 3 summer vacation i think <laughs> to calm down the uh <laughs> which vocalist entered the rock and roll hall of fame in 2006 anyone um i say ozzy osbourne Correct. Yes. Very good. Five points. Yes. What do you think the Sandler question was? Uh, what is God in <laughs> Little Nicky, potentially? Or Very... who kills Cassian in, in Little Nicky? My question was, um, who was the real hero of Little Nicky? Which band had a number of top 40 singles, including Centerfold and Love Stinks? <sighs> Quite a right. Sandler question, because both of those... You mention this every week. You mentioned Centerfold. Do you know it? No. I know the song, you always sing it and you always mention it, but then it washes over me like a like a soft <laughs> wave. <laughs> like a toilet being just, flushed washing Yeah, it lyrics. just leaves it leaves after you've mentioned it. Love stinks as well in Wedding Singer. It's quite a sander question for the considering it's the hard one. Yeah. I thought Love Stinks was an original song. Me too, me too, until I was researching this. So what band did you say? Yeah, you're not going to get it, are you? I'm never going to get this, mate. Never. My well, this It's going to be the same for the Sandler question. It's a oh, shame no. you're doing quite well already. No. Who plays at Lenny Feather's party in Grown Ups 2? <laughs> it's not a household name, this band. Elvis and the Costellos? <laughs> oh, my God. His name is just Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello and the what? What's this band called? Are they called yeah. the Costellos as well? Um, is it Elvis Costello? No, it's not. It's the Jay Giles band. I would have never got that in yeah, I know. a thousand years. When we spoke about it, we were quite drunk as well for our Grown Ups 2 episode. Oh, God, yeah. Classic. You should revisit that. Fourth question, then. You've got seven points so far, so you're on your way. Which singer boasts a five-octave vocal range? Excuse me? Which singer boasts a five-octave vocal range? Fucking Beyonce. It's not feckin' Beyonce. It... <laughs> <laughs> Who performs at the Hacky Sack Grand Tournament in You Don't Mess With The Zohan? Oh, God. That was, uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, all I want for Mariah Carey. It was all I want for Mariah Carey. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, she can sing in, the, in five different octaves, including the whistle register. Oh, God, I don't care. <laughs> Red Foo and Sky Blue make up which musical act? Fucking, it's not wham because that's that. Wham. That's a, <laughs> no, no, there's loads of wham in these films. They could get loads of wham. I'm gonna say fucking Banana Rama. Yeah, how did you know? <laughs> Banana Rama. Yeah, who famously appeared in Just Go with It? No, the sound of the question is in Hotel Transylvania. Jonathan explains a song as a sick beat. This track is performed by which musical act? LMFAO. Correct. I've betrayed 2010 Luke. I used to walk around with those little uh, visor sunglasses. The little uh, shutter shades. Yeah, and I'd just be like shuffling around. <laughs> I've, let, I've let myself down with that. You've That's... let down Red Foo and Sky Blue. <laughs> Do you know that one of them is the other one's uncle? Fuck off. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them's the other one's uncle. Give them a Google. I think that they've ended over creative differences as well. Imagine having creative differences with your uncle. But they both look the same age. Oh my God, they don't. <laughs> one of them definitely looks a bit older. The one who doesn't have the big glasses. I think Red Foo was the older one, maybe. Is it like a young uncle? He is ageless. Now he's 45. So when Red... LMFAO were around, what he was... What the fuck? No, the one with the glasses is the uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one's the younger one. He's 45. Sky Blue. 34. 
34. It's not bad. Still a bit cringy, though, starting a band with your uncle and singing about how you're sexy and you know it. Oh, that means, like, how old were they when they started that? He was, like, 24 and the uncle was, like, 34. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Party rocking with your uncle. Okay, well, back to um, Sandler. That we'll save, <laughs> we'll save that for the party rock pit. It is, it is coming. What word can mean incapable of serious fault or of little depth? Isn't that Luke Terry? Isn't that right? Incapable um, of depth. Okay, so that was your Terry, that was your uh, answer for the university <laughs> question. Sadly, that's oh. not correct. Which song did the sound guy encourage Lady Gaga to perform? Uh, <laughs> someone, someone looks a bit incapable of serious fault right now. <laughs> yeah, or of little depth. Oh <laughs> uh, no, gravity. Oh no, it's something about gravity or air or oxygen. I haven't seen the film. I don't remember. But uh, breathing or hang on, hang on, hang on. What's the first question? Incapable of serious fault or of little depth. Of little depth. Shallow. Correct. It was shallow. In I'm not going to give you any points, though. Sha, sha, what? Rude. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was two points. You're currently on 13 points. You've got four questions left, so we need to see some good answers here. This one's a hard one. Which useful device dates back to Aztec times, then made of feathers and gold, but now traditionally a canopy supported by metal and plastic? Fuck. A canopy supported by wind chimes. Jesus, no, that's definitely not right. What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? A fucking Aztec feathers and plastic and glass? What are you talking about? No, I said it was traditionally made of feathers and gold in Aztec times, but now it's traditionally a canopy that is supported by metal or plastic. Um, And this is related to music. Yeah. Right. I think it's probably like, I don't know, like a tarpaulin or like a stage. Right. It's not... Um, here's the sound of the question. A remix of which Rihanna song appears in Just Go With It? Oh, um, Umbrella. Correct, it was Umbrella. Fuck. Kind of a canopy, a canopy you hold. So you were onto something there. <sighs> yeah, I was thinking big. I was thinking a, a musical performance under a big tent. Not that's, where they, that's where they get you with these questions, yeah. isn't it? Right, three more questions to go and you're on 15 points. We want to see at least one of the sound of the questions right here. <laughs> <laughs> Which singer rose to fame playing a pop star with a hidden identity? Now, let me work through here. I would immediately have gone Miley Cyrus. And then the question is probably who was originally going to play Mavis in Hotel Transylvania. But I do not know the Jonas Brothers well enough. I've never seen Camp Rock. I don't know if that might have an impact on this. But because of that, and I can't even remember which Jonas Brother played the Kraken. Maybe it was Nick Jonas. I don't remember. It wasn't Nick. Was it no, Joe? It was Joe, yeah. Joe was the cracker. Joe, yeah. Joe. Oh, but I'm going to say Miley Cyrus. Well, you got yourself the five points that you needed. It was Miley yes! Cyrus. And you got the, like, the sound of the question pretty much spot on. It was, if not for a penis cake, who would have played Mavis? Perfect. We know she licked that cake. See, I might not know music, but I know Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> <laughs> it is all to play for here. Oh, shit, muscle. Which term originates from the colour of dress worn at a traditional formal ceremony in Great Britain? Uh, are you asking me what the ceremony is or what the colour is? The term that names that ceremony. The colour is probably included because it's in the question, so it's got to be relevant. Fucking... What the fuck? Like a white wedding, I guess you could say that. White. White wedding! And then... He's done it. He's done uh, it. And then it's something to do with... Fucking... Fucking... Wedding singer, the Billy Idol, fucking, what, did, what was the hit single of the person who got the Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore together in Wedding Singer? Pretty much. You're pretty much there with it. So, obviously, White Wedding, that was correct. You've got the five points. You've done your 25. The next one's just a bonus. We're playing for fun. <laughs> which term originates was, yeah, White Wedding. And the standard question was, which Billy Idol song plays after Robbie Hart is jilted at the altar? What a load off. So, this one, we're just playing for fun. Can we get another five points? Let's Wait, find out. Wait, question. Yeah. Oh, I was. I thought that was the last one. I, that's why I was so stressed. Okay. The thing that would have been horrible is that if you'd got the two Sandler questions right, you would have still been one point away from winning the game. So, you know, it's, it must be a massive relief that you don't have that on your shoulders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Final one. Which pop group appeared in multiple films and TV shows, including Miami 7, Artistic Differences and Seeing Double? S Club 7. Yeah, it was. It was S Club 7. Come on. Come on. He's, yes. done, he's done the 30 points. 
What and do you think the Sandler question is? The question is, <laughs> a member of which British pop group got groped by Rob Schneider at the premiere <laughs> for Deuce Bigelow European Gigolo? Or a lot of uncomfortable photos of them. Or who played the dirty lady in European Gigolo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The latter one. Louise of the Dirty Go in European Gigolo was played by a member of which pop group? Fuck yeah. Very good. <laughs> I mean, other than the Jay Giles band, you're pretty much onto one there, weren't you? Yeah, I need to what? update my Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> so, Luke, what are we doing next week on The Sound of Pit? So, we've just left hell, but I think next week's going to have a few more hellish surprises uh, because we're going to watch uh, Dirty Work, the Norm MacDonald film from, I don't know what year, 1998. Um, okay, so not it's not a massive jump from Little Nicky then, really, is it? No. Have you seen this or anything with Norm Macdonald in, really? I haven't seen it. All I've seen of Norm Macdonald is when he appears in these films. Well, the Rob Schneider films, I guess. It's quite telling that in that film we've heard that Adam Sandler plays Satan, I think. Yeah. And Adam Sandler then made a demonic film and didn't get Norm Macdonald to appear in it a few years oh, later. Return the favour. You think he'd return the favour, come on. He's never really in Adam Sandler films, but he's in a lot of Rob Schneider films. Don't know if that's Mm. something. If you know any drama about why he didn't return the favour for Little Nicky and cast him as a little demon, then please send us an email to thesandlerpit at gmail.com. Or message us on Instagram or Twitter at thesandlerpit. Yeah, you can also look on our Facebook page. We've got lots of little uh, hell memes down there at the moment. <laughs> lots <laughs> of mummy memes. You can actually play the little Nicky game on our Facebook page. I want to send a big, big thank you to uh, Joe Tyrone, who does all our music. And it's a big thank you to Luke Thomas for creating the artwork. And a big thank you to Luke Terry, who is editing all these episodes together. He's editing the trailers together. He's working and he's planning his wedding all at the same time. What a fucking nightmare you must be leading right now. Yeah, I'm... Um... I'm in hell. (laughs) (laughs) So come back next week when we're talking about dirty work. Until then, it's been a very happy Sandler bye from me and a very happy Sandler bye from him. See you in hell.